good to be back. I was in Seattle last week at uh, some training. And uh, I learned something up there the first time I went about faith, hope, and love. So I've been thinking about that a lot, and I finally decided that today was the day I would talk about faith, hope, and love. And then yesterday, as I'm preparing my sermon, I listened to Chiron's from last week. Anybody want to guess what Chiron's was about last week? Faith, hope, and love. Yeah. And then this morning, as I'm sitting uh, reading my devotional to come before church this morning, guess what it was about? Faith, hope, and love. So apparently, we need to know something about faith, hope, and love. So, Holy Spirit, teach us something about faith, hope, and love this morning. Um, this is stuff I learned from the school I've been going to, the Allender Center in Seattle. So, that's where faith, hope, love. We won't go too much into the specifics of faith, hope, and love today because Kyron did that last week. Faith looking backwards hope is looking forward and love is for the present right so when when we think of uh, faith remembrance of the past redemptions of God taste and see that the Lord is good looking at the at the past we have a commitment to our story who we are reminds us that we've been protected and provided for and there's been profound surprise in the past we see that uh, awesome and the awful when we look back, right? It produces gratitude. There's some verses you can look up. It helps us write our story and see this, the theme. You know you're living in a story, right? The story of you. And what's the story? What is your story? It's the things that you're picking up and seeing in your past. Um, love is the fruit of faith gives us a bigger picture of why and that offers rest through trust because of our experience of looking into the past hope is about the future i love that quote a, a memory of what is to come <laughs> memories in the past right now this is a memory of what is coming it's hope it's dreams desire it's our foolishness our imagination a lot of times we put words like foolishness and imagination and it's bad stop that that's a gift from god right another word for foolishness play god wants us to do that it's the hope of the future it's defiance it's suffering there's disappointment it's disturbed disturbed but also there's perseverance and our daily sacrifice grows through disaster but it produces awe in hebrews uh we have hope that anchors our soul. Think what it's like to be hopeless. And we come to love, which is the present. What is love? It's the giving and receiving of pleasure. Love helps others remember their story. Love has sorrow and delight. Um, it brings us to the face of God. There's giving, and we must be willing to bleed. 
to give birth, right? That's, that's love. It produces service and worship, tenderness and strength. It's dreaming on behalf of others, an awareness of our own failure. It's calling forth glory and calling out depravity, forgiveness, heaping burning coals, turn the other cheek, defrauding power. But love offers power. So, faith, hope, love. Past, future, present. All under the category of shalom. Now you know shalom means peace, right? But shalom means more than that. Shalom is like, I don't want to say Eden, but it's like that. It's, it's like what God created for us. It's the perfect situation of shalom. And these things are in shalom. Faith, hope, and love. Now, that's last week. We can move to this week. <clears throat> we have shalom, but then we have shalom shattered because we have an enemy. And the way that God created things and the way God intends it to be because the fall of man and the curse and the giving over of authority to our enemy, shalom was shattered. We were supposed to have faith, but now we have betrayal. We've been betrayed. Is there a worse word? Ah, there probably is. I hate being betrayed, don't you? You give your confidence to somebody and they sell you out. Now, <clears throat> so where faith is supposed to be when it's shattered, now we have betrayal. So looking back at our past and our story, we have a loss of name. Who am I? The peace is shattered. We question the author of my story. I look and see my story and say, where's God in this? How could this be? And even question the, the name of God. We're shamed by our trust. Paranoid, fatalist, optimist, hero, refusal to need. This is all under the category of steal. Because we have an enemy, right? What's the enemy come to do? Steal, kill, destroy. So he steals our faith and we end up with betrayal. So we should, in shalom, have peace with God, trusting God based on our faith of what God has done, but the enemy comes and steals that and instead we're betrayed. Hope. The enemy comes and kills hope and leaves us with powerlessness. We have no voice. Disillusionment produces either conventionalism or cynicism. Either you go, it's always this way, or you go, it's never that way. <clears throat> Addictions. Because bearing hope <clears throat> is too much risk. We abort things <clears throat> because of risk, disappointment, and powerlessness. Hope is calling us into the future to live in God's kingdom. But the enemy comes and kills hope and leaves us. I can't risk it. I got to stop. The feeling of being a fool. Only a fool would go there. And that power comes from indifference. If I can't control the future, then I will not care what happens. I don't care. 
We're closed off to the impact. Disordered imagination leads to fantasy. Instead of hoping in what God will do, we enter into some kind of dream world where we just make things up and live in our own world. Shalom shattered. The enemy comes to destroy love and leaves us with ambivalence. Do you know what ambivalence is? I've come to hate this word. Ambivalence means that I have two conflicting feelings about the same thing. I love you, I hate you. This is good, this is bad. The same thing. Right? It's a picture of being torn. I, I love the thought of tomorrow. And I'm terrified by the thought of tomorrow. That's ambivalence. I want to take the risk and start my own business. But there's no way I could take the risk to start my own business. See that ambivalence of two conflicting feelings and thought going on within me. Because love is destroyed, I'm left there. With a loss of face. Can't show my face. The refusal to remember or be connected to your desire. So I can't look at the past because I'm ashamed. And I can't look to the future because I'm a fool to hope and dream. So I'm stuck. Unwillingness to allow life to grow, to continue in you and suffer. To give birth to the things that God has brought forth in us. No, 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 we shut down. Because shalom is shattered we're unwilling to mourn because of idolatry we can't look back and and mourn that and we can't look to the f future and uh, have hope see we're stuck that's this ambivalence thing of torn between two things um we start out with shalom faith hope love shalom is shattered steal kill and destroy which leaves us with betrayal powerlessness and ambivalence where are we going here we started out by saying this is what God had planned and intended then because of the fall that shalom was shattered and and I flew through those bullet points on purpose because I have a lot to say but the point is where we should have faith we have betrayal where we should have hope we now have powerlessness and where there should be love we're ambivalent. We just can't commit to anything. Because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So what do we do? We had shalom. Shalom was shattered. Well, now we're in desperate need, right? So we're looking for shalom. Shalom is being sought. What are we going to do? My faith is gone. I've been betrayed. What am I going to do? How am I going to live? Well, as an orphan. I've been betrayed. So I'm, I'm alone. I'm not protected. I have no rest. Hypervigilant. I'm always watching. Suspect everything. Got to control. I'm set up for victimization. Anybody know any victims? In our culture today, if you're not a victim... You don't get to have a voice. So our culture promotes victimhood so that you can speak up. Otherwise, sorry. 
loss of provision. So I don't have the food I want to eat or need to eat. So what's that stir up in me? A lust for food. I don't have, so I want. Because my faith has been betrayed, and now I'm alone, I'm an orphan. You become your own savior. Is there anything scarier than that? You know, that's the way orphans live. Orphans live that way because they're on their own. Their mother and father who should protect and provide are gone, so they're on their own, living on their own, alone. See how we are? See what happens when shalom is shattered and then the way we try to live? We're living as orphans, right? Many of us here today identify as orphans. You know how we do that? We say words like, I'm on my own. It's up to me. I've got to come through. See, that's orphan language. That's the way orphans talk. We live that way. Uh, bitterness. A refusal to receive. I don't need your help. I got it. And commitment to the fight. Now hope, which is shattered and makes us powerless. And where we were an orphan, now we live like strangers. Um, indifference. A stranger is not known or known by others, right? They're, they're uh, here and present, but not attuned to anybody. So they're indifferent. They see hope as foolishness. It leads to anger, bitterness, and revenge. They close off to people. It's, it's like... We stand up and say, oh, come closer, come closer, no further. Come closer, no further. So we, we all live like we want to be together, but we throw our block up really quick because you can't get in here. We're closed off. Uh, no one will get to my heart. I've been stomped on before. It won't happen again sorrow we're deregulated because we separated ourselves from god so we do what we want right fatalism it's not going to work out anyway life is really just commitment to survival i'll go on so hope was shattered into powerlessness and now is lived out as a stranger in anger anybody mad do you know me too now love so love was destroyed and created this ambivalence and now we live as widows when we are failed by love we are widowed we had a great relationship we were being cared for now they're gone now I'm on my own widow we have seen our desire met and are now left without this love. So we've tasted. We know what it's like, but we can't get it back. We're left to our own need for pleasure, which kills true desire for momentary pleasure. When you're searching for pleasure, as soon as you get it, you've got to go get it again. It doesn't last. Leads to addictions. 
but the addiction is killing us and giving us short bursts of the pleasure we seek. So we love what we get from our addiction, but we hate our addiction. See ambivalence? When I drink this, I feel better. But when it wears off, I feel worse. It will cost you your face, marring your face through shame. We've talked about destroy, kill, steal, destroy. A lot of times when we think of destroy, we think of something being just utterly blown up. And there is a degree, and that's one of the ways that our enemy destroys things. But the other way that he's perfectly happy to destroy something is to mar it. Think of a fine piece of artwork up here, right? The Mona Lisa. One way Satan could destroy that is just hack it up, burn it, destroy it. And he's fine with that. But he's also perfectly happy to take paint and just smudge it across the face of Mona Lisa. Mar. He'll destroy it that way too. That's what he loves to do to us. Just mar us. What comes with that marring? Shame and contempt, right? All right. So here we have shalom, faith, hope, love. We have shalom shattered, which is betrayal, powerlessness, and ambivalence. And we have shalom sought, which makes us be orphans, strangers, and widows. Now it would be nice if you could just pick a row and live there, wouldn't it? Good luck. Pick your row. Problem is we're all three because we need all three, faith, hope, and love. So all of us take turns as orphans, strangers, and widows living out of our lust, anger, and envy. I don't know if you remember when we talked about envy a while back. Envy is a killer. We use the word incorrectly all the time. You have something nice and I say, oh, I'm so envious of your boat. Let me give you a heads up. I don't want to be the English Nazi police. Don't say that. Don't tell people you're envious of them unless you truly are envious of them. Envy is a heinous crime. Envy says, I wish I had your boat and you were dead. That's envy. So it's not a compliment of saying, ooh, I like your car. That's not envy. Envy is saying, you don't deserve that car, but I do. That's envy. So let's don't use that word unless that's what you mean. Um, orphan strangers and widows. That's the way we live without shalom. As you look around this room and around this community and around this country and this world, that describes people. Orphan, stranger, and widow. I want to run so fast to the resurrection and the cross because sitting here in this state is so uncomfortable, isn't it? Orphan, stranger, and widow. Please go to the next slide, right? Let's wrap this up. Not so fast. Not so fast. You see yourself here? 
22. I don't like it. But there it is. That's how I live. I live on my own. It's all up to me. I live by myself. And I live as a widow just wishing I could get back what I had one day. Right? And I know this is uncomfortable because we want to jump to the happy ending. One of the things I've learned over the past six months is the guy told me, if you're not willing to go to the bottom of the death of Jesus, then you're not able to go to the heights of the life of Jesus. So we have the death on Friday and we have the resurrection on Sunday. And we want to fly right past the, the death and get to the resurrection. Of course we do. But if we don't understand, if we don't know the price that was paid, the redemption that was needed, then we have a little death and a little life. So I'd inviting you to sit here in this uncomfortable position of being an orphan, a stranger, and a widow to get a grasp of how much we need life so that we can have life to the full. Shalom restored. Faith is shattered, becomes betrayal when we seek to get that back on our own we end up as an orphan and then we have the role the title the position of priest what's a priest well a priest hears the story engages the story remember we're talking about the past the past is all about these stories what happened to you what was it that's where the priest comes in and listens to that engages the priest or priestess is a teacher that helps see the the parts of the story that are building it all up give us a better interpretation of our story what happened most of us take our story and just say well there's no big deal or it was my fault or i got what was coming to me but there's much more to our stories the priest gives us an orientation here's a great word the priest helps us lament and the priest helps us give thanks. A priest hears and speaks truth. And the priest helps the community look back and see the themes present in their story. Just like each one of us has a story, we as a group, as a community, have a story that needs that same kind of honor and interpretation. And the priest helps find the theme. So with hope, Shattered is powerlessness. What we, when we are seeking that out, we turn into stranger. When it's restored, prophet or prophetess. Now, a prophet, have you read the Old Testament? The guy that walked around naked for three years? Prophet. Okay? The prophet's a little, uh, uh, what's the right word to say? We'll just say disruptive. How about that? That's what a prophet does. It incites, arouses, provokes, and intensifies desire. The prophet calls to what could be. The prophet calls to repentance, to turn from what we've done. 
A prophet creates a vision for the future and exposes the reality of the present. A prophet speaks of hope. A prophet draws forth passion. A prophet helps us imagine the future. See, we're in the category of hope. And the prophet is looking and telling to the future what's coming. Under love, ambivalence, when, when shalom is sought, it turns us into widows. When shalom is restored, it's king and queen. What's a king do? He creates boundaries. The king or queen finds order in the kingdom. And they orient movement toward what is exposed with prophet and priest. See how they work together. Prophet and priest speak in the king acts. Stands defiantly and says no. I hate to be told no. But I love it when somebody says no on my behalf. Don't you? That's what the king does. The king is a servant of glory. The king gives a safe context for dreams to come to fruition. And the king asks you to make the hard decisions. All right. Here's the whole chart at once. Priest, prophet, king. Jesus is those things, right? He is the prophet, the priest, and the king. And you know what? So are you. You're called to be all three of those things. Prophet, priest, and king. Now, it appears that usually we're pretty good at one, don't care for another, and kind of meddling with the one that's left over. What about you? Which one are you? Prophet, priest, or king? Which one do you never want to be? All right, we'll work with that. You'll get to be that too. Faith, hope, and love. Past, future, present. And here we take our place as prophet, priest, and king. With the, with the priest looking to the past to remind us the things that God has done and the things that have happened in our story to help build on that as a foundation of who we are and where we come from. Our past goes with us everywhere we go. Do you know each one of you has a little five-year-old still inside? Of course. Didn't leave. Still there. A 25-year-old, some of you, still in there. Some of you, a 45-year-old, you bet, still there. It's all still there. All of those things are all still in you. They are who you are, your history, your story. The priest reminds and interprets and brings God back into all of that. The prophet is looking to the future of what will come. This world hates your desire and will corrupt it any way it can. Right? You can't live it out in a godly way. You've got to... Desire's bad. Oh, desire's bad. Desire gets so many people in trouble. I won't say desire is bad, but I will say this. Desire is dangerous. Many people run from dangerous things. But here's the rub. Do you know anyone more dangerous than God? Is he good? 
Oh yes, he's good. But he's dangerous. Ask Abraham. Ask Jacob. Ask David. Ask Moses. Ask anybody else. Running away from danger is not what we're called to do. Stepping into the danger with courage and boldness. What was that song we sang this morning? Be bold. Be strong. Do you think that means be bold and get out of bed? Be strong and put your clothes on and come to church? I'm glad you were bold and strong and came to church. But that's not the sum of being bold and being strong. We're going to be bold and be strong because the world needs us. And then as king, queen, you have, a, you have a domain, a dominion, no matter who you are. Some of you have a rather large kingdom. Some of you have a small kingdom. But everybody has a kingdom. Even if the only thing in your kingdom is you, you still have a kingdom. And God has called you to be a king, queen. To live with authority. To provide and protect for those in your kingdom. Maybe you're a mother and have little kids that you have to provide for. Welcome to kingdom. Right? I, I don't like genderizing any of these things. I wish there was a word for these two things that didn't mean male or female. Because I don't think this is anything about male or female. So I use the word king all the time. And I don't mean any offense to the queens in the room. I don't mean that. It's, it's not a sexist word to me. Same with prophet and priest. It's not about male or female. It's about servant of God. That's who you are. You have a domain. God wants you to rule in that domain under his authority. So looking at this whole chart, faith, hope, and love. In each one of us, it's been shattered because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And in the place of faith, hope, and love, we, we found something less. We found betrayal. We found powerlessness. We found ambivalence. And living in our betrayal, powerlessness, and ambivalence, we came away as orphans, strangers, and widows. But Jesus has restoration available. So that the orphan becomes priest, the stranger becomes prophet, the widow becomes king. And, and yes, this is the part I hate, right? I'm an orphan and a priest. I'm a stranger and a prophet. I'm a widow and a king. So what do I do as I hold those two things? Here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to shut off my kingship and live as a widow. I want to continue putting the widow to death. Continue moving, moving more and more into kingship. Not denying that I was a widow or an orphan or a stranger. But not living from that position anymore either. Because of the work of Jesus Christ in redeeming me. So that I can live in faith, hope, and love. As a priest, a prophet, and a king. 
Where do you find yourself today? For a lot of us, we're a lot into the shattered area and not so much into the restored area. To you, I say, keep coming. There is hope. We are not people without hope. We have hope. And we can look to the past and see that God was present using that faith to move us by hope into love. Which is Jesus and the work that he does. Which makes us prophet, priest, and king. For some of you today, you are there. You're a prophet, a priest, and a king. And to you, well done. And keep going. Don't stop. There's more. God has tremendous calling for you of the things to do based on who you are. The world needs priests. The world needs prophets. The world needs kings. And you are one. And the world needs you. Um, a lot of times as we think about the things of the kingdom it's a real slippery slope to fall into some kind of fantasy right like the fantasy movies that are out there that, that portray the kingdom which I love because they paint the picture but it's so easy to, to get into some kind of just thought world that's not real. That's what fantasy is, right? It's all up here in your head. What I'm describing to you today is not a fantasy world. It's the world. It's a world of, of spiritual things, of eternal things that will outlast physical things. See, we, we touch and see and feel and think this is the most important because I can touch it. But it's not. And 10,000 years from now, this building, this place, may be gone. I'll still be here. God will still be here. You will still be here. We outlast this place. That's the real thing. Living this way forever as prophet, priest, and king. Let's start now. Why wait? The world needs us. The kingdom needs us. As we transition from our betrayed powerlessness and ambivalence through faith, hope, and love into prophet, priest, and king. And that's the call from Jesus today. It's the invitation. Come on, step into this. So I ask you, you think, where do you see yourself? Where are you at? Who are you? What's God have for you? For some of us, you know, it's our faith is pretty good, but we have no hope. And for others, we have lots of hope, but no faith. For some, we're very loving, but have no hope or faith. And for others, we have no love. Where are you? Where do you find yourself? It's not... It would be nice if we were all in the same place. The point is, we're not in the same place, any one of us. I'm not even in the same place today as I was yesterday. 
Jesus is doing his work, restoring us, restoring me, restoring you. Where do you see where do you see your strength? Where do you see your weakness? This is not a scorecard to say, oh good, I've got that. It's like a flashlight to shine on your life to say, oh, Jesus, my hope. Where's my hope? Why don't I love? Where's my faith? To, to get these increasing measures more and more. Where am I being a priest? Where am I being a prophet? Where am I being a king? Where should I, Jesus? Where would you have me live? So that's the invitation from Jesus. Faith, hope, and love. Priest, prophet, king. Restoration of who I am into who he wants me to be. And that's the call today for you. Jesus hears your call. We hear your call, Jesus. See, it's mutual. Come, restore us. Let's pray. Jesus, where would we be without you? As we consider our faith and our hope and our love, we know the only place we can have that is in you, Jesus. Open our eyes, open our ears, Holy Spirit, reveal the things of the kingdom to us. Help me move past the orphan and stranger and widow into the priesthood into being a prophet and into my kingdom Jesus live through me and live in me use me for your kingdom continue the restoration of me Jesus continue to reveal my story both past and future show me what you'd have me be we pray it all in your name Jesus Amen